Hi, and thank you for listening to Ask the Pastor. This is a segment of the West Hills podcast where you have the opportunity to ask and receive biblical answers on your questions from our lead pastor, Will Duvall. I'm your host, Thad Yessa, and I'm excited to dive into this week's question. This week's question comes to us from Polly Duvall, and she asks, Is using birth control a sin? As a pastor, would you ever advise a couple not to use birth control? It's a good question, and I think the short answer has to be that it can be. Uh, Using birth control can be a sin given the situation. Um, I think we'd have to ask quite a few more questions to, to dig underneath that and determine, um, given, given the context. So, uh, to me, I think birth control is, is, uh, falls in sort of that same category as money or sex itself or alcohol or any number of, of other, uh, things on this earth that, um, are somewhat, somewhat inherently, uh, value neutral, but can be used for great purposes, uh, potentially, or can be used, um, for bad purposes. And a lot of it really does come down to, um, the motivation of your heart. So let me back up, uh, and, and give a little bit more explanation to undergird some of this. So, uh, be upfront too, about the fact that I'm, I'm leaning pretty heavily, uh, in, in this discussion, uh, on the wisdom and experience and resources of, of John Piper, who, uh, again, I just look up to so much and have modeled this um, podcast after his podcast um, of Ask Pastor John. And uh, he's actually done a number of Ask Pastor John episodes on this very topic and uh, other resources on his uh, website, ministrydesiringgod.com. So I want to borrow from a lot of what he said. And one of the, the, the early things that Piper always does in this conversation when he gets this question about birth control is he he tries to shift our, our nomenclature, our language away from the language of birth control to using instead the language of conception control. And it, it might seem like parsing words, but really it's, it's a very important distinction that, that we as believers uh, biblically need to be really committed to is, is this idea that, you know, we, we begin, we believe that life begins at conception. And so, um, you know, once uh, life has been birthed, um, not uh, from the vaginal canal, but uh, once life has literally been given birth to um, in terms of, you know, there's a new life now uh, growing in, in, inside a, a, a mother's womb, um, that at that point, you know, we are, we're not interested as believers in getting into uh questions of, of birth control of actually at what stage between conception and and uh, birth um, can can we uh, you know meddle with with a, a, a baby's development that that's 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 beyond the scope of what we're talking about here so again not just parsing words though because that's really important um, you know one of one of Piper's principles um, that uh, I'm going to get to in a, in a moment here is just this idea that uh, you know some some methods of birth control um, really uh, many of them uh, might be conception control, um, but others you know might really actually fall in that realm of of uh, 
you know, birth control from the standpoint of um, harming a fertilized uh, egg um, that, that we believe, you know, is, is human life. And, and then that's really problematic, should be problematic for us as believers. And so um, let's, let's get into some of the biblical, um, you know, uh, evidence that, that we're going to weigh heavily in uh, factoring in this, this question, this decision. Um, and I apologize if I'm rambling a little bit more than usual with, with this week. I've just kind of got notes and I'm shooting a little bit more from the hip rather than scripting this out. But hopefully we'll still be coherent and useful. Genesis 1.28, uh, in the beginning, um, God commands Adam and Eve, the man and the woman, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's the first command in the Bible. And so um, we want to we wanna take that and weigh that heaven, heavily in our uh, decision making um, as as Christians, when it comes to these kinds of issues of, of things like family planning, we need to feel the weight of that that call, that command to be fruitful and multiply and, and fill the earth. That God really has put us here as His image bearers, Genesis one, uh, to reflect God's goodness, God's character, God's values uh, to. The world, and um, we as believers in particular uh, ha- should feel a, a, a heavier weight than others to to do that. And we'll come back to that as well, and kind of why we're here and our mission, and, and how kids factor into that. But uh, the interesting thing is uh, that on, on the other hand, you know, we've got the Genesis one command. But then we also in the New Testament find the Apostle Paul saying in 1 Corinthians 7, I wish that everyone was like me. And we know the Apostle Paul was single. Um, he, he says, you know, I, I, wish, I wish that others weren't tied down with marriage and kids uh, because they, they could be as laser focused on the advancement of the gospel as I am. Uh, but then Paul does go on to, to, to go a little bit you know, back and forth and wrestle with that tension in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And, and he ultimately says, you know, it's not a sin to marry and settle down, um, but that it is better. You know, it's better to be single and be that sort of laser focused on on um, advancing God's kingdom. You know, and you can see how this played out practically, right, in, in the lives of uh, Peter and uh, Paul. And you contrast the two, you know, kind of big, uh, uh, big name uh, disciples that we uh, and apostles that we kind of look to in the early church, Peter and Paul, and the contrast there. One of them wrote half the New Testament. The other one only had time to write two books. Um, and so, you know, I'm thinking about in a 21st century kind of, uh, analogy of that principle, um, you know, are, are, are there, is there wisdom or are there ways in which, you know, for, for me as a minister of the gospel, could I do more for God's kingdom? Um, if I wasn't tied down with a wife and kids, uh, maybe, honestly, maybe, um, but you know, we're, we, we have this balance. And here's how uh, Piper concludes how we ought to kind of think about and reconcile those two seemingly contradictory impulses in Scripture. Piper says, There are realities that came into the world after the fall that made life more complicated than it was before the fall regarding marriage and having children. 
If there were no sin, if there were no need for a world mission of sacrifice and martyrdom and suffering, in other words, if we lived before the fall, then everybody marrying and everybody having children would be virtually an absolute. But we don't live in that world and other factors determine how we live. And so, you know, what Paul ends up saying in 1 Corinthians 7 is, look, it's a win-win. It's good either way. You know, singleness is a good gift from God um, meant to, to, to really allow us to, to have closer intimacy with the Lord and not get distracted with the anxieties of married life and, and, and family life. Um, on the flip side, uh, obviously we know biblically, and, and we'll go ahead and, and head here, Psalm uh, 127, verses 3 through 5, children are a blessing from the Lord. You know, children are a good gift. It says the fruit of the womb, a reward. Um, and then uh, the psalmist goes on to say, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. So that's a really interesting analogy that the psalmist used there. So let's unpack that. I think that's very intentional uh, that he uses this language of, of arrows, right? In what way are, are children like arrows? I think, I think what the psalmist is reminding us of, pointing us to here, is the fact that you know, we are um, engaged in a battle here uh, in this world. We as, as Christians um, are by definition a missional people. We've been put here on a mission. Uh, you know, Paul uses that language of fighting the good fight, uh, of running the race. Um, you know, w- we can look at the, the book of Revelation and see just all the militaristic uh, imagery there of, of this this you know, end times war between good and evil and God and Satan and kingdoms of light and darkness. And we're caught up in that. We're a part of that, right? And, uh, you know, we're, we're called to play our part in, um, you know, the Lord's army, so to speak, as, this, as the children's song goes. You know, there's a, there's a spiritual war waging all around us every day that we are all too often, you know, quick to forget about. Um, but within that war, um, between the kingdoms of light and darkness and Satan wanting to enslave people in blindness and, and, and hardened hearts and, and, and blind eyes to the truth of the gospel and keep people enslaved to sin and, and Jesus wanting to set people free uh, to, to, to live for him and, and worship him and uh, be in relationship with him. You know, we're caught up in that. You know, we're, we're, once we get saved and once we get set free, you know, we're called to, to join the fight, you know, to, to, to take up arms and, uh, and be on, on the side of uh, fighting for, for truth and light and, 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 and uh, God's glory. And so uh, one of the, you know, primary ways that I think Scripture says that we can do that is through child rearing. You know, this is what the psalmist is talking about here when he says uh, children are, are uh, arrows in the hand of a warrior. It's like, we ought to think about raising our kids as, you know, sharpening arrows that we're then going to send out and launch out into the world to be forces for good, forces for, for God's kingdom and for ad- advancing his kingdom. You know, our calling, obviously we know Matthew 28, we say it every week at West Hills, is to uh, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that he's commanded us. Oh, what's one of the most effective, maybe not easiest, uh, but but certainly deepest, most meaningful, most lasting, impactful, influential ways of making disciples, it's through child rearing. You know, that's discipleship, if we have kids, has to start in the home. You know, those are my primary 
you know, people that I'm I'm responsible for uh, sharpening and making into disciples, arrows to 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 be unleashed and be used powerfully by God in this uh, in this spiritual war. And so, uh, you know, that brings us back to this question now that we ought to feel: Okay, if children are a blessing from the Lord, uh, the fruit of the womb as a reward. Well, then why would we not want to be more blessed, right? Why, why you know, really the, the onus now, the burden of, of proof needs to be on uh, the Christian who, who wants to use birth control, who doesn't want to have more kids because children are a blessing in this fallen world uh, that, that we live in. Um, you know, uh, all the more reason uh, now we need more Christian kids being raised and by Christian parents and Christian homes to, to be sent out with the Christian message of the gospel and the good news. And so why would why would we not want to maximize that? You know, we had a family, just anecdotally quickly, we had a family visit our church just this past Sunday at West Hills. Um, maybe this is why this topic has been on my mind lately. They had seven, 17 kids. Uh, mom and dad had 17 kids. Um, and when they told me that, I, I said, my reaction was, do you guys have a reality show or, or is the camera crew going to be here, here filming church this morning? Kind of that's, that's kind of my natural reaction. Um, but you know, the, 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 the truth of the matter is we, we shouldn't view this um, in the church, at least in, 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 in the church, we shouldn't view this as weird. Um, this is, this should be normal biblical Christianity. I, I genuinely believe that the onus should be on, um, you know, folks that are delaying child rearing or, or limiting it in some way to, uh, you know, to, to, to explain why they don't want <laughs> to be more blessed by the Lord with more kids. Um, you know, it, it's normal, certainly in the world's eyes and our surrounding society's eyes. Um, it's normal to treat children as a necessary evil, uh, children, uh, limit your personal freedom, your ability to be flexible, go out and have fun, do what you want. Children uh, will limit your ability to grow in your career. Oftentimes, you know, you, you can't travel with work anymore. And so that puts limits on which, what roles you can take and et cetera, et cetera. You know, so for, for that reason, children are viewed as a necessary kind of evil uh, in the world's eyes. It's kind of like, well, you know, to, 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 to be to be normal and fit in in society and, you know, maybe to, to uh, you know, um, have have people to, to care for and, you know, you, you get old enough that you maybe you get tired of having fun and living for yourself and you get bored and so it's just something to do. I, I don't know. You know, I don't want to maybe presume to, to know why non-Christians have kids. Um, it's probably not all terrible motivations, but... Um, Certainly, again, thinking just for us in the church and how we ought to to, to view this and decision making criteria with this, um, I I think that what we really want to 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 shift our our focus to is away from a world's view of uh, children as a necessary evil to man they're a gift and uh, if God would see fit I'd love to have more and so if I may for just a minute uh, get personal. I can just confess and and tell you that I did this for the wrong reason. I know um, when Polly and I first got married, and for the first 
five plus kind of years of our of our marriage, my uh, desire to hold out on having kids really came from a place of selfishness. It wasn't uh, that question of how can I be most effective for God's kingdom, and you know, is it through having kids and discipling them um, to unleash them as arrows? It was you know, these kids are gonna. Uh, be a burden on on my schedule and my f- freedom and flexibility and and my fun and so um, I you know look back now and I made a comment to Polly the other day about just how much I, I love our kids and uh, if I'd known how how much fun kids are and how how rewarding and fulfilling um, you know I, I I would have had a totally different outlook and so I just share that for any young couples that might be. Uh, weighing these factors right now. You know, you need to feel the weight of that, I think. Um, you know, I, other factors that that, that that might come into this decision-making for you. Uh, I, I think if you look at a big picture uh, um, vantage point for just a moment and, and the, the, these facts that, you know, 2.1 kids per child-bearing uh, age woman is needed to replace population growth, um, we've now dipped below that in the Western world, in, in, in our country, in America, you know, and, and the European countries are even farther below us on that. Uh, you know, in the, in the church, as, as Christians, if you were just poll um, all professing Christians and what the birth rate is. We're, we're, we're at risk of, of dipping below that 2.1 kids per. I think for for Muslim uh, families, they're at like 2.5 or 2.7 uh, kids per, per, per woman. Um, and so, you know, I, th- I think these are, again, things that as a big picture, as the church, trends that we ought to be tracking and following and, and praying about and, and feeling the weight of is like, uh, you know, um, if, if God really wants to, to, to fill the world with uh, followers of Jesus, um, you know, what is our role in that and how do we best do that? Um, and I say all of that, obviously, with the caveat that, you know, keeping in mind my story, my wife and, and others like her that, um, you know, it's not that simple for, for some of us, like some of us, you know, we, we, we don't, uh, we don't even have to bother with this question of, of, um, of birth control because, you know, God is just in his sovereignty, um, given us the, the, the burden the, the, uh, of infertility to, to deal with. And, um, and so I'm, I'm not at all, you know, saying go out and we need to fill our kids' ministry and make lots of babies from the standpoint of uh, trying to make anybody in our church or otherwise feel guilty about their inability to do that. Obviously, God uh, God creates us in different ways for different purposes. And um, so I, I hope that there's no sense of, of you know guilt uh, coming along with this for anyone. But I do think that maybe makes it all the more reason for those who have been given the gift of fertility. And every time your husband looks at you and, and winks, you know, you're pregnant, like, hey, maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe that's a good gift that God wants to give you for a reason to, to procreate. Um, I'm going to skip over that section. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here and, and trying to uh, be as quick as possible. Uh, as believers, the bigger question uh, for us may be, um, do I want to bring a child into this kind of a world? 
I remember feeling the weight of that question when we got pregnant with Ellery. Um, I don't remember what specific issue it was in the news cycle at the time, uh, what kind of was so evil in the world that was going on that, that made me really question, oh my gosh, do I want to bring a daughter into this kind of world? But, um, I mean, certainly we can look around us at, at, at crime and war and greed and, you know, both face celebration of, of sin in our society, you know, celebrate your abortion, your gay marriage, your divorce, your gender change decision. I mean, you go down the list, there's any number of ways we found to, to, uh, just go off the, the deep end in, in the direction of sin and against God's design for us um, as a people and his good plan for us. And you can say, man, do I really want to bring a child into this kind of world? And I feel that. But the, the, I guess, again, the counter to that would be all the more reason, you know, if, if God has designed the church to be light and salt, to be a preservative uh, force for light and for good in this world, to, to stem the decay of the culture, of, of the society. You know, the church is God's plan A for um, combating that kind of moral decay, and there's not a plan B. And so, um, again, I will <laughs> make that call to, hey, let's fill our nurseries, let's fill our kids' ministries. We need more uh, uh, believers who are discipling the next generation. All right, so with all of that in mind, let me end with this. Piper suggests five contraception principles that I think are really good that I, I want to end with by sharing. Um, I'm literally just going to read them now and quote John Piper, okay? Uh, principle number one of five, sex is not just for procreation. And I like that he points this out. He says, sex is not just for procreation, but for Christ-exalting delight, as it says in the Song of Solomon. Um, and it's for protection against the temptation to sexual immorality, as 1 Corinthians 7.2 says. Piper says, I don't think that a Christian couple is obliged to aim at procreation each time they have sexual relations. And that's principle number one. That's good. Go have sex and, and enjoy God's gift of your sexuality and your body, uh, even if you're, you've already had a vasectomy. Do it. Uh, number two, do not use any form of birth control that acts as an abortive agent. Touched on that before. Not killing a conceived child is a top-level Christian commitment, which means not getting an abortion or using a contraceptive that works as an abortive agent. Um, Piper says, from the little reading I have done, and I admit Pastor Will, I haven't done enough reading on this, but he says, I think most oral contraceptives run the risk of functioning as an abortive agent. Uh, Piper says, I have no authority here, um, but I encourage people basically to, to do their own uh, reading in this. Um, that's number two. Whatever method of guarding against contraception you use, don't go the route of aborting fertilized eggs, um, which have become human beings. And I, Pastor Will, would add to that, that that should affect our Christian view of other methods of things like fertility treatment. So, for example, Polly and I really didn't have to discuss in vitro fertilization for very long as believers. That was just not an option for us, having frozen babies trapped in a test tube in a laboratory somewhere for years and years indefinitely on end uh, with no plan. I mean, that... So, that, that should factor into those kinds of decision-making. Number three, Piper says, consider with caution any permanent sterilization. Uh, don't make long-term commitments to sterility uh, when you don't have enough information to know if it's wise. That is getting a vasectomy or tube tying. Um, unless you know that those operations are affordably reversible, tying the tubes or getting a vasectomy may be presumptuous in the mind of God, not pleasing to God. I've told many couples over the years during premarital counseling and afterward, what if your spouse dies? Say you're 30 years old. What if your spouse dies and two years later, 
you remarry a, a woman or man who really wants to have children with you, and you have already made that impossible. Those are the kinds of circumstances. I mean, when I say that you may not have all the information to tell you whether it's a wise to take permanent action now, and there are other situations that I could think of as well, I would uh, caution against per- permanent sterilization. And I, Pastor Will, will jump in here again and expand Piper's third principle to say using birth control can absolutely be sinful on our part if it's out of a desire or need to be in control and remove that control and sovereignty from God. Right? If it's if it's about me micromanaging, family planning, taking agency away from God. Yeah, you know, I think about that passage in James four where James says, "Woe to you, you know who who say." tomorrow or next year, we'll go into such and such a town and do business and trade and whatever. He says, look, you don't even know what today is going to hold. Um, you need to say, if God wills, dot, dot, dot. And, and really what James is pointing us to is, is not just uh, you know, being careful about uh, making our plans, um, but also just uh, Deferring to God's sovereignty, you know, knowing and trusting and 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 celebrating the fact that God is uh, in in charge, and and that means when it comes to these decisions about family uh, planning, for instance, um, whether it's permanent sterilization on the one hand or on the other side of things, I think we need to be really careful about telling God our plans with regard to fertility, pregnancy. Um, I mentioned that in my sermon last Sunday that I laugh at young couples when they tell me their timeline for having kids. Like, oh, we'd really like to have kids after he gets this promotion at work and I'm done with school and we want to space them out two and a half years apart. And we really like summer birthdays. And so we'll probably start trying to, I mean, that kind of stuff. I, I just have to laugh, not only because of me and Polly's experience um, with just how out of control of your own fertility you really are, but again, because. Uh, you know, like they say, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. You know, sometimes I think if you want to make God cry, you tell him your plans because, um, you know, God God wants for you to trust him. God wants for you to to really look to and lean on him. Um, and, and again, maybe that, that person, that young couple that planning all that uh, has prayed about that and they really feel like that is God's will and God's best for them. I just think that we need to err on the side of uh, leaving things in the Lord's hands, and uh, and and desiring what He wants, not just you know what's best for our you know celebrating summer birthdays or whatever. Um, the other thing to throw in there too is no one regrets having a child. All right, you may think we'd really like to spend the first four or five years of our marriage just enjoying one another, strengthening our relationship with one another before we dive into parenting, and maybe that is what God wants for you as a couple. Um, that's between you and him to pray and discern. I won't speak speak into that. Um, that would be a personal thing anyway. All I'm saying is that if the condom breaks and you get pregnant without intending to on your honeymoon, let's say, uh, like my my own in-laws who got pregnant with my wife on their honeymoon, do you think that they have regretted that for a day of their lives? Of course not. Like Polly has been the greatest joy and blessing of their life. And so you're never going to regret, I mean, once you have that child, and uh, you're, you're never going to regret having um, made that, that choice, even if it was your choice or, or an, uh, an oopsie baby and God's choice. Uh, number four, be an instrument of God's sovereignty. I touched on this with point number three. Uh, principle number four, 
Piper gives us is avoiding conception may or may not intrude upon the rights of God to decide the number of your children. A lot of people are concerned and wonder, do I have any right to do anything here? Isn't that God's prerogative? Uh, Piper says it would intrude, I think, if you pursue contraception for your own selfish ends and not for his priorities. But I don't think it would presume or intrude on his rights and priorities if you humbly submit to biblical principles and guidelines like these. Uh, then you become, I think, an instrument of God's sovereignty, not an intrusion to it. And that that kind of is a good segue to his last number number five. Contra- contraception and procreation exist for worship. Don't decide against children because they are a burden to your lifestyle and travel and free evenings. In other words, everything I've been saying assumes a radical commitment to kingdom purposes, not worldly conveniences. Uh, If we decide to have children or not to have children, let it be worshipfully because we said yes to God's radical call on our lives and not selfishly because it spares us some discomfort. And that is the big principle I hope in all of my rambling that you'll take away from this conversation is the question of whether to use contraception or not, whether it's sinful or not, really boils down to the question, why? Why are you making that decision? What's the motivation of your heart? Is it because you want to maximize your freedom and your version of what you think is going to make you happiest? Or is it because you're thinking and praying in terms of uh, how you can be most effectively used for the advancement of God's kingdom? Um, and, and, and whether your time and energy are better used uh, in child rearing right now or elsewhere, you know, raising kids is, again, one of the most godly, effective ways to be a Great Commission uh, Christian. But it's this is definitely a depth versus breadth question. You know, I think back to, to our time in Culver, you know, had Polly and I made the decision in a calculated, prayerful, selfless way uh, that 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 we were looking at the facts and saying, look, God has given us this opportunity to be sort of surrogate, um, stand-in spiritual parents to these fifty teenagers in our youth group, and we really feel like called, like God wants us to disciple them and and spiritually parent them, and and not be distracted away from that mission by investing in our own kids. It would have drastically changed the way that we did ministry in Culver had we had kids at that time in our life, um, you know, that would, that could have been a really God honoring, uh, way of going about making that decision, but that wasn't it. You know, it was really uh, just confessing, uh, for me, it was, for me, it was, it was selfish. Um, and to my wife's credit, you know, man, Polly would have been ready to have kids from, from day one of, of marriage if I had been. So I, I this part of this conversation for me is me just repenting, uh, of my own sinful selfishness and, uh, you know, uh, maybe exposing that and holding a mirror, maybe an opportunity for you to hold up a mirror to your own heart and say, you know, some of you young couples out there who might listen to this, you know, why are we making this decision? Is it just because this is the world's version of, of what you do is, uh, you just enjoy one another or whatever, uh, f- enjoy freedom for, for five to seven years. And then you start thinking about kids or, or, um, you know, are you really thinking through, you know, what is God's best for us and how does he want to use us uh, for the sake of his kingdom? Well, that's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastor. Remember that you can ask your questions each week at the info bar at West Hills or by submitting them online through our website at westhillsstl.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. And thanks for listening.